Welcome to the 84th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded immediately after number 83 on the Monday evening between Arsenal's games against Swansea and Borussia Dortmund. Thanks as ever to our sponsors, Gunashirts.com. I'm your host, David Udo, and on the panel are Pradeep Kachala, Kevin Witcher, and Joe Broadfoot. So, guys, one of the things which I've kind of noticed for the start of this season, it's a very, very easy thing from a certain point of view, it's the succession of red cards we've got. I mean, Pradeep, what do you think? Are you worried that there's no discipline within the team, or it's not the manager teaching people the rules? What, the first one, first two, I suppose. Uh, we we had, really, had Javinho yeah. off in the first game. And then um, Song got retrospectively absolutely banned. and uh, that was two fairly experienced players rising to the bait of Joey Barton do your bloody homework here's a guy who constantly likes to wind players up that's what disappointed me about that if it was Frimpong maybe who did that you'd maybe understand and the next one was Frimpong actually wasn't Frimpong it? at Liverpool yeah um, I think his problem is I think he's, he's a bit too much passion at the moment and he needs to turn it down uh, both I think the first one was the arguing with the referee, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. The throwing. Yeah. The throwing. Yeah. And that, then the second yeah. one was a ridiculous, you know, he left his foot in. So again, that's what you're going to get with youth who are probably just a little bit too over boisterous. And then Jenkinson's was just, you know, someone mm. caught out of position and overexposed at the top level. So it's a mixture of everything, actually. A clean record, and it was an easy win, really, against Swansea. Um, what do you make of it, Kev? Um, I do think that the likes of Alex Song have been around long enough now to have uh, sorted his act out. At the same time, Patrick Vieira was doing this for a few seasons. You know, I mean, I don't think he really learned properly until he'd been at the club for about four four years. I think West Ham and Neil Ruddock was 2001. My memory might be failing me, but uh, <laughs> certainly by that time, Vieira had been around long enough. Um, so, you know, it, I think, in a sense, um, it's the personalities of the players involved. Um, you know, Vieira was an Arsenal great, and if he was doing it, then it's difficult to have a pop at others. Um, but you would like to see, uh, you know, players not give themselves away so easily. Diaby at Newcastle last season, again, it was Joey Barton, but... You know, I mean, that cost us so heavily ultimately because that that four four game had after effects, and uh, you got to wonder whether or not uh, having having silly red cards uh, is is going to have a knock on effect on this season. I mean, Juvenio was out for three games, Song's out for three games. We've missed those players. Um, I'd like to see. A bit more focus, a bit more discipline, but I, I just don't think, after all these years, Wenger is going to instil that now. I think it's the price we pay with this particular manager. Joe, what do you think? Um, was it just one of those things, uh, the sort of three or four different occasions, or um, do you think that the manager ha- has now finally um, basically tapped everyone on the knees to say, don't do it again? I'm not too sure Arsene Wenger would do that because, again, I agree with. It seems to be um, a characteristic of Arsene Wenger's management that we get an awful lot of red cards every every season. And this season in particular, because the players are under so much pressure, you know, with the with the fans feeling about what's going on at the club or what's not been going on enough at the club, bringing in new players, 
and, and more experience. And uh, I think the manager's really, really got to be held responsible, certainly for the young players that got uh, red-carded. Frimpong, that was an accident waiting to happen. In my opinion, I was saying out loud, I was saying, he's got to take Frimpong off, he's going to get a red card. Jenkinson, the same applied to Jenkinson. So that's two red cards that could be avoided. Okay, it's so easy watching from a distance, but um, but somebody should have a word in Arsene's ear and tell him uh, these guys are young and they're, and they're very very prone to getting um, a second yellow card if if they start over committing themselves to tackles and so on, and and they don't seem to learn from one yellow card. It doesn't it doesn't make them make them on alert. So uh, I think Arsene Wenger's got to be held responsible for two red cards, and and I think he needs to start looking at himself a little. Uh, Pradeep, seeing the, the likes that we, we, we've seen Carl, Jens, Carl Jenkinson get sent off essentially for being a little bit silly, as was Emmanuel Fringpong, um, do you think that this has been kind of an, an indication, along with the transfers that he bought right, right before the transfer window shut, that as far as Wenger's concerned, Project for youth, uh, youth is essentially at an end and he needs to do it with some slightly more mature players? I hope so. Again, it's what I was saying in a previous podcast, I hope he just moves away from being far too idealistic and thinking a little bit more carefully about his own legacy and where he's going to stand in the club if he doesn't take his foot off his own ego accelerator and maybe go back to basics. And yeah, I think in that sense of the word, bringing experienced players such as Arteta, Mertesacker, Ben Ayun is more than welcome. Uh, Kev, what do you think? Um, do you think w- whenever Wenger get, when, whenever Wenger gets the chance, he's going to find some place in the team for Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, um, or is he going to think, you know what, I'll wait until he's nineteen? Uh, well, I mean, he did he did hold Theo Walcott back for a bit, mm-hmm. um, so he doesn't he doesn't just pitch the young ones in uh, willy nilly. Um, I think he will generally choose experience he just doesn't choose them in the transfer market um, that's what the big change has been and I think um, in the run up to the Manchester United game in the Sky interview before the kickoff, off uh, Wenger enthused about the mental strength of his squad obviously a phrase which has become a joke amongst Arsenal fans but he continued to um, pump it out and look pretty foolish afterwards because uh, there wasn't a lot of mental strength at Old Trafford. Um, I really do think that that result finally made the penny drop because you've got to remember only a few weeks earlier he had purchased Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain for whether or not it's 7 million or 12 million up front he'd certainly spent a lot of money on a 17 year old. So for that reason, um, you'd have thought he'd have prioritised experience earlier in the summer if that's what he wanted to do. And I think, basically, you know, he was left with no choice after that drubbing. And whether or not the board sort of got tough with him, who knows? But it's certainly a huge change in policy in the transfer market to buy five players nearer 30 than 20 because there used to be a policy of not buying a player over 23 um, they didn't bother scouting anyone who was who was sort of into their early 20s now hopefully they're scouting across the age range because they appreciate what experience can do 
something any supporter could have told Arsene Wenger at any point over the last six seasons but for whatever reason he chose not to believe in it and now he's been exposed you know that that 8-2 result just showed up what happens when you rely on too many young players and I suppose Joe in light of that the question of whether it's going to be youth over experience who does Wenger think he's going to play up front with Robin Van Persie uh, next season will it be Park Ji Young the 26 year old captain of South Korea or Joel Campbell the 19 year old we've signed from Costa Rica what a lovely question that is <laughs> I haven't really seen an awful lot of either player I've just seen on YouTube I've seen uh, Ju Young Park score three for his country and, and based on that he looks he looks like he can do a job but could it be at Arsenal I'm not I'm not really sure at the moment until until he plays in an Arsenal shirt about five times so I reserve judgment and the same goes for Joel Campbell of course he's been loaned out so we're not really going to see him I think what's happened is that because they couldn't get a work permit mm. for Campbell they, yeah. they, they signed Park mm. yeah, you know, that's, that's the reason Park was bought because basically they were light up front now if Campbell had got his, his, his work permits he'd have been you know along with Shemak and Van Persie uh, the, the forward you know option so it's not initially it wasn't a case of either or it was Willow Campbell mm. and now he's, he's been forced to look at Park who's only got a two year contract that's very unusual and he's got military service coming up we keep hearing yeah he's yes. like 30 mm. alright so we can put that off for a while hopefully and uh, the other thing the other bizarre thing is Miyaichi got his work permit and uh, and yet um, Joel Campbell didn't and I, f- I find that bizarre because Campbell's got a few caps, hasn't he, for his country? He played in the Copa America, but he mm. wasn't regarded as an exceptional talent. I heard yeah, that uh, Wenger actually went to the Japanese and asked specifically for, because Miyaki's such an exceptional talent to get the work permit. That's what I've heard. He'd not that. even played in the J League. Yeah. That's, that's the astounding thing about it. Okay, he did play in Holland last season. But <laughs> for him to get a work permit and for Joel Campbell not to, they, you know, normally the criteria is how many games have you played at international level, and he's not played any uh, as a, as a full international. That's school, isn't it? Yeah, he came out of a school team. Wow. All right, um, l- looking to go um, in a completely different um, angle. I'm just reading something on the second second sheet in front of me, um, and it's one for you, Pradeep. Uh, I absolutely love this. It's oh, a yeah. it's a Steve Bold rumor. Um, Pat Rice has only stayed on for one more season because Steve Bold turned down his role. Bold being of the opinion that Arsene Wenger surrounds himself with with yes men. That Bold is a goner and that he... Sorry, sorry, Wenger. Oh, sorry, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, that Arsene Wenger surrounds himself with yes men, that he's a goner and that he did not want to lose his job along with Wenger. Do you believe this might be true? Uh, no. <laughs> I think it's just... I think it's just internet rumours and I don't believe that at all. If Steve Ball really wanted to go, I'm sure there would have been a championship club where he could have made his name as a manager or there could have been a, another better team, a more high-profile team than Arsenal, maybe, I don't know, Liverpool or Manchester United could take him as a defensive coach. No, I don't, I don't buy it. And uh, I think the reason why they kept Pat Rice on for one more season is because they couldn't find a replacement. Mm. Um, and again maybe it's Wenger being too stubborn to change it 
Joe, what, what, what do you think? Do you, do you think um, there, there was a settlement that um, Pat Rice wasn't going to stay on for another year and it was just one of those things and then ultimately he did stay on for another year. There was no um, note in the first one, two or three programmes saying, dear God, th- thank you for, to Pat Rice for his last season, God bless him. Or do you think it was they had something else in mind and ultimately that didn't happen? I've got a funny feeling that Pat Rice is going to have a, a number of last seasons. As long as Wenger's around, I think Pat Rice will be alongside him or, you know, just just barking the orders that Arsene Wenger wants him to bark out. Um, I think I think he does, as much as I love Pat Rice going back to the 70s as a player, um, as, as an assistant manager, I don't really feel that, that he's... He's the kind of guy that's going to confront Wenger occasionally and say, "Look, Arsene, I think you know, let's just keep it private." But I think I think you've got this wrong, and I think you should reconsider. I don't think he's that sort of guy. I might may be wrong about Pat Rice. If so, yeah, somebody give me a slap. But the, the the feeling I'm getting from everyone I've spoken to, and from my impression of seeing what he does uh, with the players, he just he does come across like a yes man. And and sometimes you want a yes man, but there are other times, and right now at the club. I think the club leads niece, at least of all, is a yes man next to Arsene Wenger. I think they need somebody who who actually can have a dialogue with him. Somebody like David Dean, but okay, it's a different capacity. But I think he needs somebody that that will have actually have an argument of some sort with him. And Steve Bold possibly could be that man. And that maybe that's maybe there is something in it. I'm I'm not so sure it's uh, strictly true. But that's, this is how these rumours come about. It's because there's no smoke without fire. Kev, when you saw um, Pat Rice's behaviour during the home leg against Udinese, when he kept turning around and saying, you know, shall I take them off for half-time, that kind of thing, do you, do you think that kind of summed him up um, and that ultimately Steve Bold was, was the first choice replacement or is it just better as far as Wenger's concerned because he's got someone who will just essentially do what he's told to do? I think Pat Rice wanted to retire. Um, but was persuaded to stay on um, and I think the reason that he was persuaded to stay on was presumably because Wenger did want to recruit, recruit from inside the club um, and he probably felt that Bob was the best candidate in terms of the coaching aspect um, so I can believe the rumour um, I think Bold has got enough intelligence to bide his time and wait and I, I, I'm pretty sure Steve Bold has probably privately got a pretty low opinion of what Wenger does in terms of coaching in, ter- in terms of defence so I, I'm going to choose to believe that one um, as for Pat Rice's abilities I think he probably was a better coach many years ago when he had his own mind I mean he did start off the season when Arsene Wenger eventually came by winning matches um, you know we, Stuart Houston left very suddenly Pat Rice was in charge for a few games and Arsenal did quite well um, with effectively uh, a team that uh, Bruce Rioch had left behind Stuart Houston didn't really want to take over and he chose to go to QPR with Rioch mm. and um Pat Rice was left to run the show until Wenger arrived. However, I think many years since uh, I've seen Rice effectively lose what I would call rapport 
with the playing staff, principally because he's an old-style Irish guy who's going to have trouble relating to young French and continental players. You know, I don't know this, but a little bit of me possibly thinks that the players think he's a bit of a joke. I don't know, <laughs> but I can imagine that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So any authority he really has has been lost, and I suspect he's just marking time now, which is a sad state of affairs. You know, Alex Ferguson would certainly not have tolerated that kind of um, assistant. Um, it's just that Wenger's quite happy with a Pat Rice-type character, and in a way it's been part of the general malaise of the club that it's been allowed to go on. No one's having to go at Rice individually. You know, he was a great servant to the club, but he's not fit for purpose now and he should be pensioned off. Uh, Pradeep, coming back across, across to you with another completely random question. Um, we've had an awful, awful lot of injuries so far so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Arsenal were just unlucky with it? Or do you think there's something fundamentally wrong with the way things are done at the club? There's got to be something going on there. I mean, it's just no coincidence. It's happened for the last four years in the trot. And remember last season, they actually bought some sat nav equipment to <laughs> take to players so they could Stuff find out when they yeah. <laughs> And Alex <laughs> Song ended up getting a driving ban as a consequence. Whether or not that was coincidental, I do not know. Gotcha, yeah, I do it's remember It's the way these injuries are managed. I mean, read between the lines of what's happening in Wilshire and they don't know what's wrong with him. They said they, they don't know. There's always some hmm. you know, mysterious specialist. He's, he's, and there's no, there's no official prognosis what's wrong with Wilshire. And I can absolutely, I, I would put my mortgage on him not being back until January, at least, if not the season. That's, that's Jack Wilshire. Yeah, Jack Wilshire. Uh, for Marlon, I'm once bitten twice, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Could well be the rest of the season, actually. Joe, what do you think? Well, I think Arsene Wenger. Being a, a, I thought he was a sports scientist at one at one stage, and I'm starting to rethink that that idea because how can he keep on playing young players to the point of exhaustion and expect them to be fit for the following season? It doesn't make any sense in any science manual you want to pick up. Uh, I thought, I, you know, he did introduce a lot of new things to the game in this country. I think mainly on the nutrition side, perhaps a bit of psychology as well. But um, but he seems to be remissing a bit remiss. I mean, on the on the physio- uh, physiology side, and um, I'm, I'm very disappointed about it because even basic FA manuals tell you do not overplay young players because they're still growing to the age of 21, and mm. and you have to bear that in mind. So it doesn't make any sense at all to overplay them, and and I'd really like to hear him explain his his policy. Uh, what about you, Kev? Um, do you think it's sheer, sheer um, optimi- uh, sorry, optimism from Arsenal when they come out and they say this player is going to be out for a, for a month? Or do you think we've essentially got an absolutely terrible medical team whatsoever? I've heard uh, opinions uh, that the medical team is not good, um, that the individuals involved are not the best, and I mean I don't want to use the word incompetent but basically not good enough and I mean I'm aware that uh, there is a procedure that can be used to heal uh, tissue 
um, and basically get players back twice as fast as normal which was rejected by the club because they weren't happy enough research had been done on it um, and it's that kind of closed mindedness which is, is going to keep the club uh, in the current state I'm afraid that you, you look at other clubs everyone does suffer injuries and there are certainly some players who uh, you know seem particularly unfortunate such as Owen Hargreaves but you know I mean, what really troubles me is you've got someone like Abu Dhabi who has been terribly unfortunate with injury and yet in fairness you give him a contract extension you renew his deal when you know that he's not ever actually been fully fit again and, and never had a real run of games when he has been fit so what is the point in throwing that money down the drain you know it's, it's terribly unfortunate but there comes a point where you've got to say this guy was cropped let's move on mm. you know and, can, and go on Jeff. yeah can I just add something though um, I, I wanted to say as well that you know in Arsene Wenger's defence is partially because of the way we play football this attacking style of football and the, the lack of tough guys in our, in our team now means that that the other the other teams are going to just think, okay, we're going to take him out, and there's, no one's going to stop us. There's not going to be any retribution whatsoever. We haven't got a Patrick Vieira anymore that's going to going to take someone out in in exchange. Mm. It's not going to happen. Dennis Bergkamp was absolutely ace at uh, dealing with aggressive defenders. He gave them exactly what for, but he was often very subtle with it, <laughs> and uh, that often nipped that kind of crap in the bud. Yeah, and we don't have we don't have those sort of players anymore that practice the evil arts of football. And unfortunately, as much as Arsene Wenger doesn't want to accept it, it does go on in English football. There's an awful lot of nastiness in well, perhaps all over the world, but it seems a different kind of nastiness. And Arsene's been here long enough to to understand it. But mm. I don't think this team that he's got together now completely completely are on top of it. Yeah. Uh, Depressingly, I, th I think that's it's, it's a very, very interesting comment. Um, the amount of players we do get that are put out for a week or two weeks, three weeks, which becomes the best part of four months. Um, it's it's at the moment choosing between Jack Wilshire or Thomas Vermaelen, and I've got absolutely no idea which one to pick. Um, who's going to be given uh, the wrong? Um, absenteeism. And you haven't mentioned DRV, who, in theory, as far as Wenger's concerned, is possibly a first choice player. Well, if he's the one who has to be out for the rest of the, rest of the season <laughs> and the others absolutely uh, chop it well, that's absolutely fine to me. Um, the other, other issue that I've got on the paper in front of me is with regard to the matches at home. Um, which apparently are going to general sale a lot more often. Um, Pradeep, I mean, do you think that the club will see more and more matches to fall uh, to fail to sell out and yeah, attendances gradually uh, decline? It's a combination of things. First, all the teams not as successful on the pitch anymore. Uh, we're not paying. We're not playing world class players anymore. We, you know, we're, we're still developing players, and of course, if you look at the overall economic environment. People don't have eighty pounds now to watch Arsenal play, and then maybe take their children and pay what six quid for a pie or whatever it is. Oh yeah, so I think yeah, it is um, partly because we 
Oh, I'm doing so well on the pitch, but then people don't have the money to spend on luxury goods such as watching Arsenal. And it is a luxury to go and watch Arsenal play. It's mm. not, you know, it's it's not a necessity nowadays. Um, I think that's a fair comment, Joe. Yeah. Well, on the plus side, at least uh, at least some of the real fans can start coming back because fair comment. because there's there's that issue. You, you know, I, I mean, I consider myself a real fan. I've been following Arsenal since well, I was a bit of a glory hunter in 1971. And uh, I've been following Arsenal and wanting to go to games since then. And yeah, I've gone to my fair share of games. I feel, but since I came, I went away from the UK. When I came back, I was stuck on a waiting list, and I was forty-nine thousand on the waiting list. Well, now I'm thirty-two thousand and a <laughs> red member, so I can get I can get tickets now for games. So mm. so I'm kind of glad in a roundabout way that we're not doing as well. So maybe some of those glory hunters will go elsewhere. Well, it'd be one of those things. By the time it gets to March, we're seventh or eighth in the league aren't challenging for anything you'll be able to get more tickets than you can possibly imagine especially if we're playing Manchester United at home and we're all absolutely scared as to what's going to happen mm-hmm. um, Kev um, a completely different question purely because we're running out of time um, but I, I think it's a good one to finish with which is as far as everyone is concerned there is a large number of fans that believe that Arsene Wenger is the right man to return the club to success do you think there are any arguments for him to do that? Um, no, is the short answer to that. Um, I think he's gone too far down the road of his idealism and there's, there's been too much emphasis on what Arsenal do when they had the ball. And it's very difficult to suddenly turn that around and concentrate on the, the more negative side of the game, which I think has been allowed to lapse and I just think the personnel of the, the, the squad has changed too much now. It's, it's just too, too difficult a job to turn this around unless you're going to completely change the coaching and do things which Wenger would never, ever consider. You know, if you, I mean, my argument with this group of players, when people say, well, who would you get if you didn't have Arsenal, is that another manager could do better with the same group of players. Because yes, they have got the talent to go forward and score goals, and that wouldn't be lost. But but if you get someone who's an organizer, who's a tactician, who's a disciplinarian, who's a motivator, then you could actually get a lot more out of the group of players as a unit, as a team. Um, I mean, a Mourinho team would not be as entertaining to watch. But what's been interesting about Real Madrid is that they did all the really negative stuff last season and didn't actually do that badly. They didn't lose many games. They got a hell of a lot of points. They didn't win La Liga. But what's happened this season uh, is that they've got that, but now they've, they've, they've also added a bit more, little bit more imagination and flair in their approach. And I mean, I, I, I'm not aware of Real, Madrid, Real Madrid's result last weekend, but I knew Barcelona drew, so I'm assuming Real Madrid. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're flying. So, you know, you, you you get a better manager in terms of organising the team. You get more out of the players we have, and that's what I think needs to happen at the club. You know, I think things have gone stale under the current manager. You know, the phrase "lost the dressing room" is quite dramatic, but. I'm not convinced the players are really motivated and I think some of them are now marking time especially on the wages they're on they're not really 
focused as much as they should be. Well, on that note, we, we could talk about Mamadou Mounou, who's still at the Arsenal, forgetting every single move away because he's the fourth choice goalkeeper, earning about £60,000 a week. Um, but before we go away, I, I mean, Joe, do you think Wenger has the argument to be the man to turn Arsenal around? It depends on who's going to replace him. I mean, if there was a better, a better manager out there, ready to come in and, and take over Arsene's job. Carlo Ancelotti? I can't argue with that one. And uh, Jose Mourinho, those two. But aside from those two, um, there's not many others that come to mind. They were the two. Good sitting? That's a maybe. Maybe you're right on that one. <laughs> with second thoughts. Uh, very quick second thoughts. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. But, but for some reason, I, I always feel that it's not, it's not good to have a knee-jerk reaction uh, you know, okay, you know, we've had that 8-2 defeat and some people said, oh, that should be Arsene Wenger's head on a plate because of that 8-2 defeat at Manchester United. To me, that's just a, a one-off result. He has, he has got us into the top four, you know, every single season. So, mm. so should we be complaining as much as we are? I mean, if he doesn't make it this season and get us in the top four and there's a distinct possibility he won't, then, uh, then fair enough. Then, then, you know, he's... He's reaped what he sowed, in effect. Uh, at the moment, I'm I'm still not altogether sure. I mean, I think it's always risky if if you bring in a new manager as experienced as Ancelotti is and Mourinho is. It's a big risk. You're going to alienate some of the fans and some of the players. Now, it could be a massive, massive change in what's going on at the club. And and usually, small changes are better in football. I mean, football is a very conservative sport. And, and small changes are often better than radical ones. On the wages those players are on, none of them are going to be alienated by a change of manager. All right. <laughs> um, Pradeep, as the last person to finish off, what are your arguments for Wenger to be the right man to turn the club to success? If indeed, are there any? I don't think there's any doubt that Wenger's credit lines running thinner than a Greek bank. That's for sure. But I'm going to absolutely say he's yeah I've got faith in him I think uh, his great experiment failed and now it's back, it's back to square one he's you know he's got a lot of credit because he he took us through that whole phase of moving us to a stadium if you take Wenger's reign so far the first phase was the hybrid years winning titles invincible the second phase has been moving to a new stadium managing the budget every, I think statistically every team that has moved stadium has got relegated including Man City <sighs> too shy and we've got fourth place minimum every year since then on a budget now the next phase is what he needs to achieve which is transforming us back to where we were before stop being so idealistic be pragmatic I think he's the only guy for the job and we'll regret it if we bring someone else in because it's going to be too much change in too short space of time and there'll be one season where we end up six and then we'll say well we should never got rid of Wenger if he doesn't finish if he doesn't finish fourth this season ask me again but at the moment yeah give him the job he's brought new players in let's see what happens oh could I interject at this point I'd just like to say um, somebody mentioned in a previous podcast I believe that, that Arsene Wenger was pragmatic in the beginning now it's become so idealistic. So, so all he needs to do is, is you know, bring out some of his pragmatism. That seems to have lost. And you know, it's a bit of a back to the future scenario. 
And, uh, and the other point, you know, about players, even players on big wages can be very, uh, very difficult to manage. I mean, I'll, I'll mention Mario Balotelli as, as one example. Uh, okay, Mancini, I think, was the guy who brought him in at Manchester City. But after all, he's, he's struggled to manage this guy, man managing. And, you know, these high-paid footballers can be, can be very difficult. And, and I'm just saying that some of them, I'm not saying there's an awful lot of them, but there may be a few that just, just feel that close to Arsene Wenger, that if Arsene Wenger does go and another manager comes in, they may, they may feel, I'm going to go with him. I, I think Cesc Fabregas said something similar. OK, he's not with us now, so it's irrelevant. But there are probably some other players that, that are that close to Arsene that they might want to leave. Whether that would be a bad thing, I'm, I'm not too sure. But, um, but I think it's worth bearing in mind that you know, when, when you do start changing you know, somebody that's been at the top that long, you're going you're gonna to have a certain amount of turbulence. Uh, Remember when Newcastle got rid of Bobby Robson? How many players left after that? I'm not <laughs> too sure. <laughs> On that note, yeah. right, just before we do, just a very brief apology to uh, Chris Murray and Jeremy Cunnington who sent in emails which we were going to feature. We'll try and pitch you guys in next time around. Uh, yes, we are truly sorry, guys, by every single stretch, and we do apologise for over-chatting. We will speak about your emails an awful, awful long time next time. Just to remind you that the email address for any communications about the podcast is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. We'll be back with more in October, but that's your lot for now. As ever, my thanks to the panel. I'm your host, David Udo, and thank you very, very much for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly good company. Way.